Conversations, random, off-the-cuff discussions on all things paranormal. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to Paranormal Conversations number 16. I am your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Kelly, on this episode, we're going to be joined by our listener and executive producer, Dolores. She's going to join us to share the unexplained activity that has occurred at her gift shop in Wake Forest, North Carolina. The name of her gift shop is Southern Suds and Gifts. Isn't that wonderful? I love it. It's located at 213 South White Street. Based on her experiences, Dolores decided to ask other small business owners in the area if they'd had any unusual things going on in their establishments. And before long, there was enough information for the city of Wake Forest to launch their own seasonal ghost tour. And they do that every, of course, Halloween season. But of course. Dolores is going to share how they put that together, a little bit about Wake Forest, and also some of the tales that they share on that tour as well. Kelly, we are joined by our listener and executive producer, Dolores. (laughs) How are you, Dolores? I'm doing wonderful. I hope y'all are. We are, too. Uh, We're wondering, first of all, where are you from? I live in Wake Forest, North Carolina. I grew up outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. But we, we've been here for 25 years. So nice. we love it. If everything goes okay, we're planning a trip to the Outer Banks in June. Oh, So she's a little more inland, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. We, we're about in the middle of the state. We're 12 miles northeast of Raleigh, which is the capital. So, okay. um, yeah, we're away from that mess, but we're a growing little town, so. Well, clearly you are into the paranormal since you listened to the podcast. What got you uh, interested in the paranormal to begin with? My mother from uh, the time, uh, gosh, I can't even remember how far back. She always said, when I die, I'm coming back to haunt you. And that was such a comforting feeling as a you know small child to know that that she would be there we were the family that read ghost stories on christmas eve and she had my two daughters watch the shining when they were about seven and eight years old without my knowledge (laughs) but she really loved spooky scary things and i think i just inherited that from her and then my brothers like to jump out with those hideous rubber masks on and scare <laughs> me to death, too. So they're a good bit older than I am. So I was the, they love to pick on me. But I, I, I think it's fascinating. Well, you have something pretty close to home for you that definitely connects to the paranormal. When yeah, you came yeah. into the Spooktacular crew, you answered some questions and mentioned. Your gift shop, your boutique. Yes, I I own a gift shop in the middle of downtown Wake Forest, and uh, it's all locally North Carolina-made items. We don't buy anything from anybody, but 
I teach some wreath classes after hours. And the, the building was built in 1914. And it's been a dime store. Legend says that there was a pool hall in the basement. I think it was a clothing store at one time. And it was the first post office in Wake Forest. But oftentimes when I would teach these classes, I would be there late at night cleaning up by myself. And the floors are very creaky. I would be in one area of the store and I would hear creaky footsteps going across the floor. And I knew that nobody was in there with me. I was locked up tight. So I was kind of like, okay, well, you know, how are you doing? Um, I'll be out of here in a minute and get some rest. And and that that's good. So I kind of got used to that. And I try to say good morning and good night every time I leave the shop. One day, in the middle of the day, I had some customers in and one of them asked me if I ever felt a presence in the gift shop. And I said, I do. And she said, I do too. Every time I come in here, I feel something brush the back of my leg. And I said, I've never had that experience, but that's really interesting. And within 15 seconds, I know a heavy grapevine wreath literally flew off the wall and landed about eight feet from the wall where it had been. There were probably four or five of us standing around when it happened. (laughs) We were all like, uh, what <laughs> just happened? We were pretty, <laughs> goodness. We we were pretty dumbstruck when that happened. But I do. I hear knocks, and there are times I hear voices, and I'm so used to it now that you know it's just like having a conversation with somebody that's in there. But What's it's, interesting about the story that you just told is this is just a, a person who comes in every so often to do a little bit of shopping. It's one mm-hmm. thing when it's you there every day and you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I kind of get a weird feeling every so often. But when you have somebody who's like, I don't come in a lot or every day. And right. every time I come in here, I feel like there's something weird in here. And And she approached me about it and which I thought you know was more validation that something was going on there I'm, I'm definitely not fearful of whoever it may be but it has led to some other experiences during COVID I'm I'm on a nonprofit board for downtown Wake Forest to promote economic vitality and it was um, August of COVID, and we had no way to raise money. And two of my friends and I were talking in the shop, and one said, you know, I've always wanted to do a ghost tour in Wake Forest. The both of us said, we do too. And we put that thing together in six weeks, and we were able to do it outside with masks, and people loved it, and it has grown every year. And we've got some great spooky stories, but we had a paranormal team come in this past spring, and they were here for three nights doing investigations in some of the buildings where we had stories. 
And I was able to go one night. One of my good friends did the Estes session. And my goodness, it was the most amazing thing that I've ever seen, heard, experienced in my life. The answers to some of the questions, some were spot on, some were I feel like just the spirit wanting to get out something that they had to say. It we went on for about 45 minutes and he or she talked continually. I actually think that there were probably two or three folks there with us wanting to chat and get to know us and see what we were doing because the building was being renovated to become um uh, like a piano bar and they're putting a speakeasy in there so they were doing a lot of gutting and you know going back to original floors and fixing the basement and all and they had some very interesting experiences in the basement each building that was investigated had activity we How were many able buildings to do you have on the tour I think that we have about between 11 and 13, and one of our most popular areas is the railroad track. There have been some very odd railroad accidents as far as dates coinciding. There's one building that's been hit twice by derailed train. As Dolores has mentioned here, there's been a lot of train accidents that they've had there, and I wanted to find out a little bit more about that. And here's some stuff that I dug up. This is from the Wake Forest Museum website. From the college boy who leaped from a car before it reached the station to the local man who passed out on the tracks, Wake Forest once was known for a surprisingly high rate of railroad accidents. You don't want to be known for that. Definitely not. None was more memorable than the December 16, 1928 crash of Seaboard's Fast Flyer. The southbound passenger train plowed into the side of the local drugstore on South White Street, That's where she's located, known today as the Powers Barbie Building. And the museum shares images of the aftermath. The story appeared in newspapers across the United States. The headline read, Train is wrecked at Wake Forest. Seaboard's fast flyer kills man and wrecks rear of drugstore. Train leaves track after colliding with automobile. One man was killed and the rear of a local drugstore was demolished Sunday in a spectacular wreck of the southbound Florida Limited. Fast New York to Florida train of the Seaboard Airline. The 12-car steel train was running through this little village town at about 25 miles an hour in a thick fog shortly before 8 o'clock. When at a grade crossing near the railway station, it struck a light coupe driven by Charlie Linham of Wake Forest, killing him instantly. The engine jumped the rails and plowed into the rear of the three-story brick building occupied by the drugstore 100 yards away. When the huge locomotive struck the building, the walls crumpled and the forepart of the train was buried in the debris. Engineer J.Y. Bryan and his fireman escaped without injury, but W.A. Burchett, a baggage man, suffered a sprained ankle in leaping from the train. No one was in the drugstore building at the time. Thank goodness. No passengers were hurt, although two day coaches and the baggage car were derailed. Linham, employee of a local cotton mill and the father of nine children, was instantly killed. How terrible. His automobile was tossed 50 yards from the crossing, a total wreck. Traffic over the railway line was halted for the remainder of the day, but officials said they expected to have the tracks cleared by night. The engine remained buried in the brick and mortar of the building, and it was believed that its removal will require several days. Thousands of spectators motored to Wake Forest to see the wreck throughout the day. 
The roads leading into town were almost choked with the streams of automobiles. Oh, my word. Talk about looky-loos. Yeah, rubbernecking. Near the scene, traffic was at times unable to move. Passengers on the train were transferred to another train after delay of several hours and sent on to their destinations. And then we have a story of a young mill worker. She was a mother in the 50s, and her bruised and battered body was found near the railroad tracks on Christmas Eve, I think in 1954. And folks Mm. coming across the tracks, two burly guys that work for the, the town of Wake Forest were on the tour, and we were telling the story of Luna. And People, some people say when you come across the tracks that you can see a girl standing at the edge of the woods, which is right there near the tracks. And they validated that, which is very convincing to us because they these were not gentlemen that probably believed a whole lot in the paranormal, but they experienced it. Nice. And there well, are, I mean, not nice, but... <laughs> How mm-hmm. large is the the city? Well, when we moved here in 99, there were 8,000 people. Now we're uh, a little over 60,000. Uh, there's a oh, lot. Oh, wow. Of, so it's grown a lot. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's grown a lot. And a lot of it is very positive. But the downtown is really, there's been a tremendous effort to keep the downtown historical. It's on the National Register of Historic places, buildings, and to keep it the way it was, because Wake Forest College used to be here, and they moved in 1956 to Winston-Salem because R.J. Reynolds wanted a university there. So now we have the Southern Baptist Seminary where Wake Forest University used to be, but a lot of us have shirts that say Wake Forest, where the college used to be, because it's extremely confusing to people, especially during football season and high school playoff season. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. You know, we've had people who are expected to see uh, like a Wake Forest College football game but they're about two and a half hours away. They they shot right by it. So have a hot dog sandwich place that is 108 years old, uh, was here when the college was here. Our hardware stores approaching 80 years old. So it's really, and all of the businesses downtown, aside from Domino's, they're all <laughs> small businesses. There are no chains or anything aside from the dominoes that are allowed down there. So they they really kept the quaintness of the town and the history. We have a great, it's called the Wake Forest Birthplace Museum, and it's, it's absolutely amazing some of the things that they have there. And you were putting together the ghost tour, and I just love that that's something that you guys are like, the place that I run is haunted. I know there's other places in this town that are haunted. Let's put something together. How did you find out which places had stories with them? Was these just rumors that you'd heard floating around? Did you go around to different places and just say, hey, do you have anything going on here? We went around and asked the merchants or the building owners, you know, if they'd had any experiences. The first year, I think some people were kind of like, I'm not real sure I want to get But it's so funny because year after year, more and more stories 
are coming out of the woodwork. Our initial script was written by a native of Wake Forest, and he did a lot of research, and then we filled him in with some stories, and he wrote a wonderful script. But we have one of the girls on the committee owns a lifestyle magazine, so she has perfected the script. It, it is so amazing. So more and more folks are, you know, coming out with stories, experiences they've had. It seems like every time I go to my favorite coffee shop, one of the little baristas will say, Miss Dolores, I've got a story for you. And they'll they'll share the story about, you know, when they're alone cleaning up at night, they hear tables and chairs moving upstairs and nobody's up there. And so I'm going to sit down with them and do an extensive interview. And the paranormal people, they picked up on some really good things. And the fact that we were allowed to be there and experience that as well, I think, lends a lot of credence to the stories and the experiences that people had. I love that. So you were really building the rapport, you know, throughout your community. And then mm-hmm. as everyone felt more comfortable, they were coming, sounds like out of the woodworks, essentially, yeah. and, it, and sharing yeah. what they've experienced. That's amazing. It's uh, it's It's been so much fun. I've really enjoyed it. I've had outside the shop, I've had one or two paranormal experiences, and I really thought that it would scare me to death. But I've just embraced it and just become more and more interested. I, I think my husband really thinks I'm crazy because I listen <laughs> to so many ghost podcasts. And I was so excited when I found y'all's podcast because Aww. I am a history buff. I love history. Should have gotten my minor in it. Didn't want to take that other class. And to tie it in with the spookiness and the stories, gosh, it just, it fills all my needs for the the spooky times. So <laughs> I just Well, love that's it. why we started it, because I loved ghost tours. And when I started listening to podcasts, there wasn't really a podcast out there that was doing that kind of thing. They were covering all different kinds of paranormal topics. So I was like, uh-huh. you know what? There needs to be like a ghost tour podcast. And I said, well... Why don't we go ahead and start it? It is. It's it's amazing. And now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors. We say we want to be challenged. We say we want to hear all sides, but that's not how we act when we seek out podcasts. I'm Mike Pesca, host of The Gist, and I'm crazy enough to think that we are up to the challenge. I challenge myself. I challenge my guests. I invite you in. We'll talk about such issues as masks. I mean, I know they work, but on a population level, the evidence is less than clear. Mass shootings, horrible, but they account for less than 1% of all shootings. Do we do ourselves and our society a disservice when we focus on them? These questions and more explored and challenged every day on The Gist, wherever you get your podcasts. We toured the Charleston jail at 930 at night, 
several years ago. And my youngest daughter, who is in her 30s, she was all gung-ho. We came out of there, and she was so scared and had dug her fingernails into my arms so much. I was dripping blood from my arm. Oh, no. So she doesn't want to hear anything about it. But my oldest daughter and I just, we, we love it. And my husband loves it, too. You know, we kind of started out watching Ghost Hunters and that kind of built and built and built. So what were your impressions of the jail? Did you guys, did you experience something or was she just scared because of the thought of something being in there? It was the most unsettling place I've ever been in my life. Like there was just a heaviness, a sadness. It it was very, very depressing to be there in the dark at night intensified those feelings. But when we came out, everybody was out of the building and we were going to our cars and there were three gigantic bangs that came from that building. And um, I would like to say that's probably the fastest I had run in about 25 years. And we jumped in the car and and we sped off. We did an investigation there a few years back. We had our black tourmaline with us in Mm -hmm. our bag, which we did not plan on bringing inside, but we did. And we had some very unique, said something like on our, our recorder, it said, or no, the ovelis. Was it all? Well, what happened is the lady who was leading our ghost hunt had a, it was like a spirit box app on her phone. Uh-huh. And so it was, but it, it filtered out the noise. So all you would hear is it spit out words every so often. Mm-hmm. And so she was in the middle of talking about something and all of a sudden it came across and it said, where is, where is the, and then there was nothing after that. So we're like, okay. And then it was later, probably a minute or two later. Then it's just the word black. And then there wasn't anything else. And we didn't think anything about it. And then we got out to the car and I was going through my bag and pulling stuff out. And I went, oh, crud, I brought the black tourmaline in because usually we leave it in the car so then we can have it to protect us and nothing follows us home. But we usually don't take mm-hmm. it into a location because we don't want to <laughs> keep the spirits away from us right. in that way. <laughs> And we really didn't get a whole lot of interactions on this particular hunt. So we were like, wow, this is kind of a bummer. Well, the minute I Uh realized it was in there, and then we were listening back to what we had recorded from the ghost hunt, I called Kelly over and I said, listen to this. If you put it together, it's like, where's the, and then black. And I'm like, I wonder if it was like asking where's the black, you know, rock or whatever that Uh is bothering us. Well, it was interesting because I would have a little bit of interaction with the dousing rods because that's primarily what I use. So I would get some initial answers. And then all of a sudden it was just like the spirit left. And I kept saying that to Diane, we're getting these interactions and then it's just gone. And when you're on the second floor and there's that little landing where you walk up the steps to like that elevated location. Yeah, I got really nauseous trying to get past that. Once I was past that portion down the hallway mm-hmm. a little bit, uh-huh. I felt better. But yeah, it was a very unique experience. And I think that ultimately it was made lighter, I guess, for us mm-hmm. because of the black tourmaline. Uh-huh. Because I've heard that from so many people in terms of all these very, very heavy, dark feelings. So we had a little bit of reaction 
in, in regards to our experiences, but not maybe what we would have without that. Well, you know, so maybe it was a good thing. Maybe we're supposed to take it in there. So, you know, <laughs> sometimes uh, I think I'm supposed to do things and I ignore it and then I wind up in a mess. But um, have you been yeah, to any that, other haunted that was locations? Wake Forest is my primary one. I've been to Asheville. So when y'all had the story about the the gentleman in Asheville that shot so many folks. Oh, um, yes. We we went to all of those places. Of course, we we did another ghost tour in we've done several in Charleston because we love to go to Charleston and I really enjoy those. Just one little personal experience that I had when my mother died. My mother was a very unique individual. And as I said earlier, she always said, told me that she would come back and haunt me when she died. We had gone to Mount Holly, my hometown. We were living here and uh, there, there were probably 14 or 15 of us in the living room just chatting about, you know, telling funny stories about her and talking about arrangements and things like that. And my daughter, Katie, was sitting beside me on the couch and my mother wore cinnabar perfume. Now, if you've ever smelled cinnabar perfume, it's probably the strongest, most potent odor you'll ever experience. It, it's very earthy and distinguishable. So I'm sitting there on the couch and I am enveloped in this odor and I'm smelling the pillows. I'm smelling the blanket. Where is this coming from? And my sister-in-law said, Duty, what are you doing? And my daughter Katie said, you smell Bon Ma, don't you? And nobody else in the room smelled her but the two wow. of us. And she and Katie were very, very, very close. For months after she passed away, she loved Calgon bath, old beads. And I had none of that stuff in my house. I, I would smell that. I would smell the cinnabar. My dad. Did I hear you right that even though there were multiple people in that room, you were the only one who smelled it? No, her daughter also. My daughter, Katie, and I were the only two that smelled it. Wow, that is so strange that nobody mm -hmm. else was picking up on it. So it was yeah. very personal. Yeah, everybody said, I don't smell anything, but Katie and I, we were the only two that, and I, you know, we just kind of took it that she had dementia and we took it that she was at peace and that she did what she said she was going to do and scared the hell out of us. So you know, <laughs> killed two birds with one stone. <laughs> well, it, and it was clearly meant just for the two of you. You yourself yeah. and Katie. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Um, and she didn't really scare you like she could have. I mean, that's a very right. gentle <laughs> way right. to return back. True, true. She's chosen to do that to the girl who bought their house. She calls my brother several times a year saying, <laughs> telling him creepy things that have happened in their old house. But she she really did give me my love for the spookiness of life and seeing what's beyond this world. Because I, I, I know that there are things beyond this plane. We are not alone, I like to say. So, uh -huh. but, we don't um, end at the end of our life. Something goes on. 
my dad, he comes to us as a hawk. Oh, nice. We continually see that about six months after he passed away. I was closest to my father. We were very, very close. I was the youngest. I was the only girl. But I, I was having kind of a bad day. And I opened the blinds in my bedroom. And there was a hawk sitting right there looking in the window. Wow. We just kind of stared at each other for a minute. <laughs> and then he flew away. And my husband came in and I told him what happened. He said, well, how is Max? And I said, I think Max is doing pretty good, you know. But it's just, we had a family of hawks move into our yard after he passed. One flew around as they played taps at his graveside service. We see hawks more than we see cardinals. And cardinals are abundant here in North Carolina. That's his sign to me. I was going to ask you, do you have any history in regards to your shop who may be hanging around in the afterlife? So it was the first post office there. I don't know if the postmaster was that attached to it. I do think it could be somebody attached with the five and dime that was there because it was a family run business and I I'm sure that they put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into making it successful. And I I feel like when you work that hard on something, that piece of you stays there. You you don't want to completely leave it. Is this a shop that's like its own set building or is it like a part of like strips of shops that are there? So it, it is in an historical building, but the buildings are all connected to one another. And Okay, so um, it could be something that maybe is connected to another could, building as well, yeah. floating around. It, it could gotcha. travel. When we did the Estes session, the um, investigator that was with us asked how he liked Wake Forest now and how he or she liked Wake Forest. And my friend said, well, I like the growth. But I don't like all the drinking because oh. in recent years, several uh, bars have opened up downtown. And, and one, one building where there's a brewery was owned by a man named Mr. Matheny, and he was a teetotaler. Probably doesn't like um, a brewery. There's a building. lot of experience. Yes. Yeah. And we're kind of like, he probably is not digging this. <laughs> a brewery there. White Street, which is our main street, it, all the buildings through there are attached. And the one very unusual thing, well, I find it very unusual. The buildings that are on the side where the railroad track is, they used to face the railroad track. And the back of their buildings faced White Street or was facing White Street. So you could go behind those buildings now, not sure why they flipped them. But, I mean, I get why they had the the shops and all facing the railroad track for people who were coming in. But you can go back there and see where all the windows and doors have been bricked over. And it's a pretty creepy alley back there. That would be weird. Yeah. it's And it's very, very close to the track. Right, almost right on top of each other. And we got some really good information about the accidents on the railroad tracks and all. And they finally built a a trestle uh, when Franklin Roosevelt 
had the WPA going, and it was one of the very first projects there to build a trestle over the intersection where a lot of the accidents happened. Then they named the road Roosevelt Street. So that's kind of a fun fact. But we, we have storytellers that come from a local theater group that's also downtown, and they dress in black garb. And then well, we have what we like to call lurkers that kind of, and I've had the uh, privilege of being a lurker and thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> <That's maybe too> <laughs> Think up behind people or? Uh, well, kind of step out of, you know, the bushes or be upstairs yeah. at the coffee shop, peering out the window. And folks have said it, re- and we really just started doing that full force this past year. And they're like, this makes it the new place, Broadsides and Brews, where we had a lot of activity. They played like a Lon Chaney movie in their upper windows for the whole month of October to give it that creepy vibe. So people have really embraced it. Well, one thing that we have noticed is oftentimes it seems like there is an increase in paranormal activity near railroads. Yeah, I was just going to say a lot of people talk about how you can get extra activity around rivers and stuff like that. But I'd forgotten Mm -hmm. that you had mentioned that you had this railroad that went right through there with the accidents. I didn't Mm -hmm. realize how close your shops were to that. So clearly Uh, you've got so much energy just with people coming and going and all that hustle and bustle. And then there were so many accidents, whether it was the railroads trains hitting each other or uh-huh. coming it's, off, you know, derailing. But then there's a lot of time, even nowadays, people get hit because they're trying to get ooh. across a train track. And you got to believe that back then when you didn't have as much road signs and things like that, that it yeah. happened a lot more often. Yeah. One story, uh, a drunk passed out on the railroad tracks and mm-hmm. woke up. Well, who knows if he woke up to see the train coming at him, but there were freight trains that ran through there, too. But there was also the train that went from New York to Florida. They would come through at high rates of speed. Of course, they'd slow down, you know, but they were still going pretty fast. I think that's when primarily most of the accidents happened. Off the top of your head, just... A couple of stories that you guys share on the ghost tour that you've heard from other people. One story uh, from the brewery, there's a very, very heavy door in the back. It takes all your might and energy to open that door. And it oftentimes will open on all by itself and nobody is around, (laughs) but they will notice that. But the women's bathroom is notoriously haunted. And when we've told the story on the tour, we have had ladies say, that has happened to me. But it will unroll all of the paper towels and they're motion censored. Oh, interesting. So they just, uh, yeah, they're they're motion censored. Uh, The toilet will just start flushing. That is motion censored. The water will continually run. That's motion censored. So I I avoid going in that bathroom, <laughs> but then I'm like, well, maybe I'll just trot over there and, and go in that bathroom. So that's a pretty famous story. The 
woman was found murdered near the railroad tracks. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned that uh, people have seen her there. There are also two white albino deer that are consistently there on the track. They, oh. I think they actually live around my church, which is just a couple blocks down. Another albino deer is often found in the graveyard where Luna is buried, where we wonder if this is Luna and her children looking for each other, you know, mm-hmm. and they're connected by the railroad track. We have a um, an alley that uh, the lanes are, uh, I think, 1970 vintage that they brought in. And wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. 1970. That's vintage now. <laughs> yes, well, Kelly, we are that old. That is uh, <laughs> as old as I am. That's vintage. <laughs> oh, but apparently oh, there's a, a spirit named Charlie that is attached to those. Uh, when they're turned off, the uh, bars will go up and down. The pins will fall over they'll come in the next day and things will be in a mess and he opens lots of cabinets and doors and he's he's just pretty active around there but i think when they hear the clank and the clunk and the grind and the machine when it's off then that is verification to them that charlie's hanging around well, we had a firebug in the 30s that burned down a lot of buildings in at the college, and it really put them in a bad financial situation. And after 25 years, they had still not recovered, and that was one of the reasons that they moved on to Winston-Salem. Oh, wow. The coffee shop is very active. It They've named their female ghost Jasmine, and she will mess with your writing instruments or your notebooks, things like that. But one of the baristas told me that they really think that Jasmine lives downstairs in the coffee shop and that her boyfriend lives upstairs because they will hear a lot of footsteps coming down the stairs, but he can't get downstairs and she can't get upstairs. It was sort of a Seems like it was a forbidden love, so they're kind of separated by this staircase, and they can't get to to each other. I think that's that's a story that we're going to add this season, and this will this will be our our fifth year of doing this. So we're going to try and do it upright and have some special events attached to it. It, it has been very fulfilling. So if people want to participate in those, do you guys have a website that they can go to for that? Or how do they find out more? Um, So you can go to the Town of Wake Forest website. You just type in Spirits of Wake Forest, and that will take you to um, the area where you can purchase your tickets. Tickets go on sale around September 7th. And historically, they're gone in a week. They, they sell out very, we have 40 tours with 20 people per tour. They go quickly. And wow. Uh, and we actually, the last two years, had it run five weeks instead of just four. So, and we've doubled up on Saturday night with the tours. So 
It's a fun time. It's my favorite season. <laughs> Us too. Us as well. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. Dolores, we want to thank you for joining us and sharing your stories with us. I thought we were just going to talk about your gift shop. And here we find out, oh, yeah, I started a ghost tour and now we do all these things down there. I'm like, wow. I really appreciate y'all having me on. This has been a highlight for me. Oh, it's a highlight. We love talking to to you guys. The name of your gift shop? Because I don't think you didn't mention that previously, I don't think. I don't think it's called Southern Sun. And gifts, southern Not suds, suds. Like, uh huh. But okay, and gifts, soap sud. It's cute. It's craft. Just up on Facebook and see what it's like. So we have over forty local artists in there, and we're pretty proud nice. of it. Love that. So yeah. is, is is it kind of like a co-op or? Um, we actually rent spaces to folks. Okay, and um, the majority of our Artists have been with us since the beginning. Um, we've been in business almost nine years. And nice. um, we made it through COVID and all that good stuff. Excellent. And the town has been extremely, extremely supportive of us. Nice. And, and that's why we've made it. Well, thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me so much. Oh. I appreciate <laughs> Our it. Our pleasure. Okay. You have a great rest of your day. You too. Night. Thank you. Bye. Kelly, I had a lot of fun talking to Dolores. I always love talking to our listeners. Yeah, so do I. She had some great stories to share. And I was perusing around, of course, Wake Forest and wanting to see what other kind of stories do they have. And I found this other ghost story. One of the ghost stories from Wake Forest features a 16-year-old girl named Octavia Sewell. She lived at Oak Forest Plantation, which was just south of Wake Forest. And she played for Wake Forest High School's girls basketball team. In 1932, her married sister Ellen contracted a strep infection. This was before penicillin had really started being used widely, and before long, the strep became scarlet fever. Ellen passed away, leaving behind two sons. She had lived in another city, so her boys were transferred to Wake Forest to be raised by their grandparents, and they brought along Ellen's clothes, which Octavia was stoked to acquire. Octavia began wearing her dead sister's clothes, and before long, she too had strep, and then scarlet fever, and she also died. Can you imagine? How terrible. Yeah, she's just excited to get her sister's clothes, and they were infected, apparently, and she came down with it. The family cleaned out Octavia's bedroom and even ripped off the wallpaper and put up new stuff because they feared other people would get sick, but no one else did. This wasn't the end for Octavia. Many people claim that she haunts Oak Forest Plantation. Family members would claim to hear her spirit walking around the hallways and have seen her apparition. Sounds like a neat little town to check out in North Carolina. Definitely. Want to thank you guys for tuning into this Paranormal Conversation. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 